Hey, I'm Steph. I'm Alex. And this is Not Today. And we're live. Whoa. How are you? I'm good. Good? It's, it's good to be back. It's been a month. I know. Since we've recorded. This is the longest period of time we've not recorded since, since we started. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's been regularly scheduled program for programming for you guys, but for us, it has been a month since we have recorded <laughs> and it's, it's weird kind of. It was good, but I'm glad to be back. Yeah. Like, I'm excited. Yeah. In the middle of researching this story, I thought about how I probably should have saved it for the holidays, considering the story takes place right before Thanksgiving, but... I was too late, and I was already in the middle of researching, and it had to be done. So we're going to have Thanksgiving in July. Hell yeah. Happy holidays, Are everyone. Are you mad, though? No. No. Everyone, be merry, be grateful for Be merry on things. Thanksgiving? Yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah, be merry. It's the holidays now in July. Damn it. So let's take it back to the day before Thanksgiving in 2014 in Newburgh, New York. Shall we? Let's do it. Newburgh is a city located about 60 miles or an hour north of New York City, right along the Hudson River. Ollie Martinez and her family were preparing for the holidays. And Ollie's family were originally from Puerto Rico. However, she and her children had been in Newburgh all of their lives. And all her life, her and her family had been extremely close. She has two brothers, Reuben and Josh, who she is extremely close with, and they all live about five minutes away from each other, so they see each other almost every single day. And like Ali and her brothers, their children are also very close. Ali has a nine-year-old son named Jason, or JJ, is what he goes by. Shout him out. Yeah, and his best friend is his 11-year-old cousin, Elijah Martinez. But his family calls Elijah Papito. Okay. So we've got JJ and Papito. I love that. Yeah. JJ and Papito were like brothers. They fought like brothers, they loved each other like brothers, and they hung out every single day. Deirdre Kirk and Ollie's brother Ruben are Papito's parents. They lived across town, but in their neighborhood there weren't as many kids, so Papito was constantly over at JJ's. Also, JJ's part of town was a little bit safer, so it was overall just a better option for them. That day in 2014, it was extremely cold out and there was a ton of snow on the ground. It was the day before Thanksgiving, like I said, and JJ was hype for the turkey and the mac and cheese. The boys had spent the morning and afternoon in and out of the house and playing in the snow, so by mid-afternoon they had come back inside to chill out and have some lunch. It was somewhere it was somewhere around that time when JJ and Papito's friend Kathy knocked on the door and asked them if they wanted to come outside and play in the snow. Papito told her that JJ was upstairs, but he would get him to come outside. JJ was taking forever, so Papito went outside and started throwing snowballs at his window to get him to hurry up. <laughs> JJ called down to him that he wanted to stay inside because he had finally just warmed up. But after a little bit more coaxing, they got him to come downstairs. Oh, yeah. I'm Classic. sure I know exactly what was said. Yeah. Classic. Classic. 
There was some shaming involved here. There definitely was. The grown-ups were inside prepping the food for the next day and watching a football game. They were in the thick of preparation, so it was very busy in the house. JJ asked his mother if he could go back outside, and she told him no because she had already put their wet clothes in the dryer. But, of course, JJ and Pepito hit her with the please, 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 please. And she said, okay, fine. Because she was so busy and she had so much to do. And she was like, all right, get out of my hair, go outside. But she reminded them that their curfew was coming up at 8 p.m. and they needed to be inside before that. As Ali watched the kids race back outside into the snow and saw her family preparing for Thanksgiving, she had a moment where she felt grateful because she thought, that's what this is all about. And amen. The right? end. <laughs> the end. Oh, yeah. Story is over. <laughs> Just kidding. What are we, five minutes in? Yeah, right. Their city, like any city, was packed with people. And at that time, people were struggling, which led to an increase in crime. There was a time when Newburgh was on the top 10 most dangerous crime-filled cities in the country. Really? Yes. It has the highest violent crime rate per capita in all of New York. At least at the time. Really? Yeah. That's insane. Not above New York City? Apparently. Yeah. Ruben said one of the major issues with their small city at the time was that there were no jobs for anyone and there was nothing to do. So when it came... So when it got dark... People would go outside to drink in the street and shoot guns. So As a pastime. Right. Some might say that's a recipe for no good. No good. Ollie and her brothers had been in Newburgh since she was two years old, and it wasn't like that when she was growing up. She had seen it change before her eyes, and now Newburgh had much more crime, gangs, and more murder. Some of these gangs were made up of kids who would kill other kids in broad daylight. It was very rough at that time. Yeah. Pepito's mother, Deirdre, recalled that at the time, there had been one week where there was a new murder every single day. Oh my god. Yeah. And she said every summer, somebody she knew turned up dead. Wow. Yeah. That's really scary. I know. Someone you know every summer? Mm Mm-hmm. The area where Ollie lived was a good area, though. They had lived in an apartment complex called the Kenny Courts. She had lived there since she was 12 years old, and JJ had lived there his entire life. So they knew pretty much everyone, and everyone knew them. So Ollie wasn't completely worried about their direct area. It was more like the surrounding neighborhoods. The boys had been playing that day in an open parking lot right across the street from their complex. And JJ was very good about being home for his curfew because he knew that his mother was very strict when it came to that, and rightfully so, with the amount of crime oh, that yeah, was going on. Oh yeah, I would have this on lockdown. Absolutely. You know? But that evening when it got dark and hit the boys' curfew, they didn't show up. Ollie had been so busy with cooking that she lost track of time, but she looked out the window into the dark to see if she could spot the boys, but there didn't seem to be anyone out still playing. She called to Reuben, who was still in the living room watching football, that the kids were late. He wasn't super concerned, though, because it was the first time it had snowed in a really long time, and he said they probably just lost track of time. But Ollie told him to get up off his butt and call the boys inside. So that's yeah. what he did. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. 
She was trying not to worry yet because JJ was a really good kid. She didn't think anything very serious had happened yet, but also she was getting nervous. When Ruben walked outside, he called for Papito and JJ to come inside, but he got no response. He walked around the complex looking and calling out to them, but still nothing. Ruben came back inside and told Ali that he looked everywhere, but they weren't answering. She obviously wasn't taking that for an answer and stormed out the door herself without a jacket on. But Ruben followed her with her jacket in his hand and told her she better bundle up because it was a very cold night. Ali decided to go see the boy's friend, Kathy, because, you know, she she was the one who showed up earlier, so maybe the boys are just with Kathy. So she knocked on Kathy's door and asked Kathy's dad if JJ and Pepito were inside with his daughter. But he told her, nope, just Kathy. And then he asked, what's going on? Ali told him that the boys hadn't made it home yet, and she wanted to ask Kathy if she knew where the boys went. But Kathy told them that she had been playing with the boys, but she left early since she needed to use the bathroom. So discouraged, Ali and Ruben thanked Kathy, but now they were way more worried about the kids than before. They continued walking around the area, searching, calling out to them. Ruben was trying to make Ali feel better by telling her the boys were probably at a friend's house playing Xbox, and he really wasn't that worried yet. But Ali said that she knew her son was a good kid, and if he wasn't home by eight sharp, he would always call her to let her know. So she had a really bad gut feeling. Their next plan was to start knocking on the doors around the Kenny complex to ask if their neighbors would help them search. They went through basically all of the apartments. So many people came out to help. So by that point, Ruben started to get incredibly worried about the boys as well because they weren't anywhere. This hypothesis that they were somewhere playing an Xbox was not true. So, Yeah, I mean, you probably just want to hold on to that, right? Yeah, of course. I mean, you never want to think something bad happened to your kid, but... At that point, he's like, okay, this I mean, where is else could they be? very serious. Exactly. Every worst possible scenario was racing through Ali's head. Recently, there had been a five-year-old boy who had been reported missing, but after two months, his body turned up in a suitcase after a snowstorm, and so that's all she was thinking about, was that it could be the absolute worst. Oh my god, five years old? Yeah, really, really terrible. She was worried that they were going to have to find their bodies after the snow had melted, which was a horrifying thought to begin with. Yeah, but I mean, that's an incredibly dark place to be. It definitely is. Who can blame her? But I don't, considering the fact that the area got so bad and there were like murders happening once a day, like sometimes per week, you know, like there was a week where there was a murder every single day. Like, I I get it. Of course, your mind's going to jump there. Yeah, I was just thinking about um, when we were back home and there was that weird guy who was like at the church, but it looked like he was trying to break in and we both at the like independently jumped to, oh, he's going to come shoot us. Oh, yeah. Well, that's just the world we live in. I know. It's like doing this podcast so often. I just like always go to the worst case scenario immediately. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. That's super fun. Right. (laughs) Good. (laughs) Cut to my therapist being like, this sounds like an incredibly stressful thing for you to do, huh? And I'm like, "Mm, 
Maybe let's not focus on that. Well, I mean, you know, <laughs> the pod must go on. The show must go on, folks. <laughs> right? At around 10 o'clock, Ruben pulled out his phone and told Ali that it was time they called the cops. But that was all too real for her, and she told him that she wasn't ready for that. She told him they just had to keep looking and she would call, and he should call Deirdre so she knew what was going on. But she didn't want to call the cops because she's like, that makes it so incredibly real. And it means that my, my child is actually missing. Even though she knew he was, she was just in denial, you know? Right. Deirdre was at home at the time cooking for the next day after working her two jobs. Deirdre knew it was getting late, but she didn't want to bother Ruben or Pepito to come home since the next day was a holiday and she wanted them to have fun. But even though she didn't know anything was going on, she kept looking at the time and thinking they should be home any minute. Which is when she got the call from Ruben telling her that Ali was on her way to come get her because they couldn't find Pepito and JJ. She immediately knew something was really bad because Ruben sounded like he had been crying and he never cried. Also, the fact that Ali was coming to get her was weird because she and her sister-in-law didn't get along. When Deirdre got into Ali's car, she told her that they had been looking for two hours and they couldn't find the boys anywhere. Deirdre was understandably very upset because she said she could have been out there helping them look this entire time. They were all just incredibly stressed and scared. When they got there, Deirdre saw that half of the neighborhood was outside with flashlights looking for the boys and she couldn't believe that she had just been told then. But that wasn't the main issue, obviously. She told Ali that she was calling the police. Deirdre wanted the police to do roadblocks, search people's cars, get a helicopter, anything and everything they could do, she wanted. She also started banging on people's doors, and she said that she was about ready to kick them in if someone didn't answer. Ali was trying to focus on the fact that the boys were fighters, and they wouldn't just let anybody take them. But she had been hit with the reality of the fact that she may never see them alive again. So, where were those crazy kids? <laughs> <laughs> Nothing sinister had happened to them, thankfully, but they were in a really bad situation. When they went outside to play with Kathy, they started having a snowball fight right around the complex, when Kathy suggested that they build a fort. They were in this huge parking lot across the street from the complex and they had been plowing this parking lot and and shoveling the plowings of the parking lot onto one big gigantic pile so there was a huge mound of snow and the three of them started climbing up this huge mound of snow and it took them a while to climb to the top of the thing because their legs kept sinking into it but once they made it to the top they were probably about seven or eight feet in the air that's lit. Yeah, it must have been so fun. I mean, I'm just imagining the snow drifts that I that I played in. There's like some of the best memories. Oh yeah. Hundred percent. Snow days? Top tier. Yeah. They had two shovels and they started digging out a small igloo in the mound. When oh the, hell yeah. Yeah. When the boys finished digging, their two friends, Jaquan and Kevin, were cold, so they went home. And Kathy also left because she needed to use the bathroom, like she said. But at that point, they had just made it big enough for them to go inside of it. So 
JJ and Pepito were not about to just leave it without testing it out. You know, no way you're going to dig out an igloo in a gigantic snow mound and not get into it. Yeah. I mean, what are we doing here? Exactly. JJ thought that Kathy was going to come back and then they'd all go back to his house. So they decided to wait there for Kathy. They climbed into the snow fort and sat in there for a moment, admiring their hard work. But after a minute or two, JJ asked if they could go home now because he was getting cold. But before they could crawl out, the snowplow had returned and started piling snow on top of the mound once again. And when they saw snow falling from above them, at first they thought it was funny. Until this snowplow piled another mound on top and they realized that this could probably be very bad for them. So JJ tried waving his hand outside of the fort to tell the plow to stop, but it didn't see his little hand in the snow and piled more snow on top, sending a ton of snow falling down and completely sealed them inside and even covered up their shovels, which they had left outside the fort. So they are sealed in, completely trapped, and kind of can't move. Kind of can't move. The fort had kind of collapsed, so half of the fort was now on top of their, like, legs, so they couldn't move. Oh my god. At least they could breathe. Like, they still had a semi-decent hole for, like, their heads, but they couldn't really move at all. And I guess the snowplow didn't even see him playing. No. And... There's now not really any sign that they were even there because their shovels are covered. Each week, I speak to inspirational people. Each one of them has been on their own remarkable journey. They've all chosen to share their stories with one aim, that if people can relate and get comfort from it, if it can help someone, as one of my guests said, there's so much going on in the world. We should be focusing on helping one another and making each other better. Each one is a superhero, not because they have special powers, it's because in spite of what they've gone through, they keep on going. I find them remarkable. Please listen to Chataholic and hear their stories. I know, this is just such a weird sequence of events. Mm -hmm. But they're still trapped and no one knows how, how like everyone's going to the worst case scenario. They think a crime happened. Yeah. But really, they're they, just stuck in a snowdrift. They think the boys were kidnapped. That's crazy. Yeah. And snow is like incredibly heavy or at oh, least yeah. can be like in that amount. I Have you ever been like crushed by snow? No, but I know the story you're about to tell. Yeah, I have been crushed by snow I mean, at a very small degree, but like I was a kid and making an igloo with my dad and he was doing this very thing. He was like shoveling snow on top of it as I was digging it out. And as my legs were like sticking out of this igloo that I was digging out, he piled more snow on top and it completely collapsed and crushed me. And I couldn't breathe. I couldn't see. I couldn't move. And I was petrified. I mean, I was fine because my dad was there and he could pull me right out. But it was one of the scariest feelings I've ever had in my life. And, like, I still remember it to this day. Yeah. I mean, especially if it gets, like, between, like, frozen and wet. Yeah. That type of snow is really heavy. Exactly. It was wet snow. It was, like, and that's what they have. Like, thick, wet packing snow. 
It was completely pitch black in their fort as they started screaming out for help, but nobody was around to hear them. Papito said if he looked up, he could see a tiny opening letting in a sliver of light, but he couldn't move. They decided their best course of action was to use their hands to try and dig themselves out, but JJ didn't have any gloves on at that point, so when he punched the snow, it hurt his fist from the cold and because it was completely solid and basically like ice. So they're just like trying to punch their way out of this fort because they're little boys, but it's not working. Pepito was still feeling confident because he thought they could just dig themselves out, but then he thought that if they moved the wrong way, the whole thing could cave in and then they would suffocate and die. And he was not wrong. They decided their best bet was to wait for Kathy, since they figured she was going to be right back and she probably had seen what had happened and she could dig them out with their shovels, so they just kept yelling. 20 minutes later, still no Kathy, and that's when they realized that she was not coming back. When police arrived at Ollie's house, they asked her a bunch of questions and started by searching her home. This made her so angry because she was like, if my kids were in my house, I would not have called you. And she was just very upset that, th that that's where they started. But there have been occasions where a parent thinks their kid is missing, but they came inside and just went unnoticed until the cops opened the kid's door and the kid was there on their bed, completely oblivious to anything that was going on. But to Ali, this was a slap in the face because she had just spent hours searching the neighborhood and Reuben and Deirdre were currently going through all of Newburgh. But the police were trying to calm her down, but there was really no consoling her. Other officers were told to canvas the area. They had made it through almost the whole list of the boys' friends and they were running out of places to search. The weather was terrible and it started to kind of rain, but also snow so it was like oh the worst yeah half rain half snow sleet which i wrote which is the worst yes it was sleeting if you will so everyone and everything was wet and freezing which made it even more scary to think about the boys missing in that as and it's just getting heavier and heavier yeah as deirdre was searching she started doing a call to pepito that they would do to each other just like wherever it was this loud call, and if Pepito heard it, he knew it was his mom, and he would do it back. She did, this loud, she did this loud call so many times, her throat was completely shot. They had about six to seven officers searching, but as time went on, they knew they needed more manpower, which is when they called Officer Kurt Hain, since he had a bloodhound. It was almost 1 a.m., by that point, and Officer Hain was about halfway home when he received a call from the Newburgh PD. And when he's called at that hour, he knew that they would need the dog, so he immediately turned around and headed back toward Newburgh. His bloodhound was named Tank Tebow, and he oh was God. eight years old at the time. <laughs> Tank Tebow? Yes. A lot of great names in the story. Right? No? When this bloodhound rolled up, to Ollie's home, they asked her for something that JJ had always had with him for the dog to smell. So she grabbed JJ's stuffed frog off of his bed that he slept with every single night. After getting the scent, Tank was off. Officer Melanie Mann had been ordered to report to Kathy's house since she was the last known person to see the boys. And when she got there, she asked Kathy if she could show her where she had been playing with the boys, so Kathy hopped in the cop car. 
Kathy told Officer Mann that the last time she had seen the boys, they were all building a snow fort, but she had to go inside earlier than them. They pulled up to the area where the snow fort was supposedly built, but when they got there, it just looked like a gigantic snow mound. So Officer Mann asked if Kathy could show her exactly where, what. They were looking for a gigantic snow mound when they pulled up. It looks like a gigantic, gigantic snow mound. <laughs> I said they were looking for a fort, but go off. Oh, you did say the same thing. Kathy told her that the mound in front of them was where they had been playing and where she had left the boys. But Officer Man's not seeing any boys. So she's like, great, they're not here, you know? Well, I mean, did they call out to them? Yeah. They didn't hear anything back, okay. No. Are they like, oh, are they passed out at this point? They are not, but the snow was so thick that even though the boys were screaming out, they could not hear them. Oh my god. Yeah. Really? Yes. How thick does that have to be? Like eight feet? I said it was seven to eight, eight. feet. <laughs> well, I mean, they're in the middle of it, right? Yeah. So it's probably four feet on either side. Something like come that. Come on. Who knows? Come on. Come, come on. on. Hey, come on. Four come feet of fun. snow is all you need for soundproofing? Ridiculous. Officer man got out of the car and started searching around with a flashlight. Tank had brought Officer Hayne southbound toward the family health center where they had did you just say the family health center health oh tank had actually brought officer hayne to the large snow mound oh fuck yeah directly to the area that the other two cop cars already were because at this point officer man and other cops were standing in front of the snow mound talking because they're like okay this is the last place the kids were seen let's reconvene blah 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 but officer hayne didn't really think much of this because when tank saw the police cars he would get kind of excited so officer hayne told him to get back to work and they just kept walking right on past the snow mound because tank was trying to like go over to the snow mound and kind of signaling that they're they should look there but Officer Hayne was like, oh, he's just excited to see the other cops. So he just kept pulling him. Oh. That sucks. I mean, yeah, I guess it's hard to tell, right? Yeah. Looking back on it now, Officer Hayne said that he messed up because the boys were in the snowbank. Really? And he made Tank walk right past it. So he feels very bad about that. But, you know, nothing you can do about it now. Officer Mann at that point was behind the snow pile and watched as Officer Hayne and Tank walked on past. And after that, the police cars ultimately pulled away. So they, they just left and kept on looking. Little did they know that they were exactly where they needed to be. In the snow mound, JJ said something to Pepito, and he didn't answer, so he started yelling at him to wake up, and finally he did. And JJ told him that they needed to stay awake. The two kept calling out for help, but no sound was carrying through that densely packed snow. The boys were freezing and they couldn't move. There was a lot of snow on JJ's chest, and by that time, their voices were hoarse from how much they had been calling out. They were definitely wishing they didn't come outside to play with Kathy. They're like, God damn it, Kathy! (laughs) You got us into this mess, Kathy! They're just talking shit the whole time. Pretty much. They're like, ah, freaking Uh. Kathy! 
always making us come outside and play in the snow when we were already wet she and cold. She just had to go to the bathroom and then not come back. Classic Kath. Stinking Kathy. Stinking. <laughs> what did 10-year-olds say? I don't know. I mean, they have water, though, right? Well, There's no. not... It's not completely bleak. No, it's right? bleak. It's right? very bleak because it's, it's bleak, but they're they're gonna freeze to death. It's not about the water oh, intake. It's God. not like they're gonna last days. I'm trying to find something good here. Well, I'm sorry to say that you're wrong. Well, we're telling the story so they get out of it somehow. You're right. Yeah. Would you like to hear? <laughs> <laughs> Ollie and Reuben were still hopelessly searching Newburgh with the whole neighborhood, but she had a feeling in her bones that these boys were somewhere where they were hurt or that they couldn't get out. She also felt in her bones that the boys were still together because even if it was only one of them that was hurt, the other wouldn't leave him. Finally, JJ and Pepito heard Ali and Ruben screaming out their names, and the two boys started screaming back and that they were in the snow mound and screaming for help. They screamed and screamed and screamed, but they couldn't hear the boys. That's really interesting that the boys can hear them. But yeah, but they can't hear the boys. Well, they had that tiny little opening at the very, very top that was letting sound in. But I mean, the sound from their voices were, was so small because it was muffled so much by the snow that like maybe if you were looking for it, you could have heard it. But like it was so quiet that they just went undetected because nobody thought they were in the snow, you know? Right. I mean, it's the last place they would look, but I'm just... Yeah, it's interesting that sound goes in but not out. Yeah, it is weird. I don't know. We're probably going to get another email about acoustics. We're going to make some wild-ass guesses right now. (laughs) What did somebody say to us the other day? Hang on. Wag. Wild-ass guessing? Yeah, wild-ass guessing. You're doing some wagging. People hate when we don't know things. (laughs) Uh, I mean, uh, let's be honest. I don't know much. (laughs) I know about computers and... I don't know how to make some shredded chicken tacos. So true. Okay, but we, not even really that. Not even, looked it up. Not even really that. We never claim to be experts in anything. We just tell the story, guys. We don't know. <laughs> we don't freaking know. You're listening. I'm just. I'm here with you. I have the same resources you do. I have Google. Exactly. Anyway, they could not be heard. They were very quiet, muffled by the snow. At that point, Papito said it was hopeless and. Nobody was coming for them because nobody could hear them. And after a while, it was getting harder and harder for them to breathe. They felt like the snow was closing in on them. Pepito started praying because they were thinking that they were never going to get out of there. They were both crying because they thought it was the end, which really sucks. Oh my God. That's super heartbreaking. <laughs> but they get out, so it's fine. <laughs> Let's... Focus on the positive, guys. Well, I'm back up for okay. this really dark moment. Deirdre and Ali started following the bloodhound because they weren't going home until they found their kids. The dog led them to William Street, which was a very densely populated area that had a lot of crime. Finally, the dog stopped at an abandoned building where a lot of people would do drugs or sex work. But both mothers knew their sons weren't there, and thought that the dog was just wasting their time. So Deirdre told Ali they knew the boys had to be back at the Kennys, and they just left Tank Tebow and Officer Hain. Wow, I'm just thinking about being Officer Hain and how you, like, handle this situation where you're basically with the parents. Yeah. And 
I don't know. How do you manage that? Well, they weren't, they weren't like with him. He was definitely a couple of feet or yards ahead of them, but they were just kind of following behind because they wanted to see where the dog was going to go. But then once they walked up to the abandoned building, they were like, mm, not buying it. So they left. I know. I just imagine them kind of like directing him. You yeah. Know. As the hours went by, it got colder and colder and they were terrified the boys would freeze to death wherever they were. By that time, JJ and Pepito had been, hadn't been talking much. JJ would just ask if Pepito was alive every once in a while, but that was really it. He would ask if Pepito was okay, and he told JJ, yeah, but it was cold and he had to pee. Which is when JJ got the idea that they should pee on themselves, that way they could warm up a little bit. But that wasn't a super good plan, because it warmed them up for a second, but then they were just more wet, which made them colder, and it was just overall not the move, but also they thought, we'll be warm. So, I get it. Yeah, I get it too. I mean, after a certain point, you're going to have to pee anyway. Right. Officer Hayne brought Tank to his car to warm him up for a bit and give him some water, but he was determined and said that he would search all night if he had to. Tank had icicles hanging off the back fur on his legs, so he wanted to warm him up, but they were going to go back out. Let's be honest, Tank is no quitter. Very true. He's a blood... Hound. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh I'm sorry. I'll see myself. We out. are on one tonight. <laughs> well, you have well, to. Yeah. You have to in the lighter stories put a put a few jokes in there. Yeah, this is a lighter story. It is. I know it is, but like they're cold, but I they're know. fine. <laughs> they just like looked at each other and then cried because they thought they were going <laughs> to die. die. <laughs> and we're like, it's fine. <laughs> Man, this is up. one of the good ones. <laughs> the officers ended back up at Kathy's door because they needed her to tell them where the boys were because all roads lead back to Kathy's house. She really wanted to help, but she had already told them everything that she knew. The officer reported to the others that there was nothing new, but he wanted to walk around that snow pile again just to take another look. Sergeant Brandon Rolla asked Officer Mann to come back with him to show him where Kathy had pointed out the fort. They did see footprints leading from the Kenny apartments to the mound, and it did look like kids were playing there. But even though those prints were only a few hours old, it was almost completely filled in with snow. As Sergeant Rolla walked around the pile with his flashlight, his foot touched one of the shovels that had been buried. When he found the shovel, he immediately looked back at Officer Mann in horror because he knew what had happened. He then picked it up and started digging into the mound, and after a few digs, he found one of their feet and immediately called for backup. Can you imagine? Yeah, I he, can't believe he, like put it together so fast i think i, I would have been like oh a shovel they were playing yeah, yeah i wouldn't have i wouldn't have put this together right no away. me neither but i think it was like oh you these... find a foot yeah he found a foot oh my god yeah and i mean you you hope they're not dead but also you right. don't know if they have anywhere to, anywhere to breathe in there see the other good thing about the story is that they were in the snow so even if they had you're not dead till you're warm and dead. I Correct. Know. Yep. 
And it's only been a few hours? Yeah. Well, no, it's been many hours at this point. Okay. As they were desperately digging with their hands, they saw Papito's foot move. So they, they saw the foot and they're like, oh God. Then they start frantically digging yeah, oh and then they yeah. see the foot move. So that's a good sign. And in the snow mound, Papito felt something hit his foot. And then he heard the officers screaming that they had found them. He told JJ that something had hit his boot and he heard people digging. They knew they had been found and it was instant relief. And they both started crying because obviously. Yeah. <laughs> very, very relief filled moment. Back at the family's apartment, Reuben, Ali, and Deirdre were standing outside when they heard on one of the officer's radios that they needed EMTs to the family health center now. Not that one. (laughs) Back at the family's apartment, Reuben, Ali, and Deirdre were standing outside when they heard on one of the officer's radios that they needed EMTs to the family health center now. So Reuben took off running with both women in tow because you, that's not what you want to hear. EMTs? Yeah. I mean, it's good that they're probably found, but also, holy shit. Yeah, I'm sprinting like Usain Bolt yeah. straight to where they are. That's what Reuben no was stopping. doing. No stopping. Reuben didn't even have shoes on. Yeah, don't care. Yeah, and it was o- he was only in a t-shirt, but he also made it. Also, don't care. Right. He doesn't even have pants on? He had pants, but no pants. <laughs> like, oh my. And nothing but a t-shirt on. I'm like, okay, maybe there is something to stop for in this scenario. <laughs> Reuben was, like, was sprinting, no shoes, digging the wind. I was like, maybe, how did it come off? Like you had no, the time to take your no, pants off? No, he had his pants. He had his in pants. This, in this situation? No. Uh, okay, he on. didn't have shoes on and he didn't have a jacket on. He had a t-shirt on and pants. <laughs> okay. And no shoes. Just go. Okay. Just go. But he made it to the mound and he started digging with his bare hands. Ali thought the boys were dead and started wailing because she had no idea what was going on. But Reuben grabbed her and literally shook her and was like, stop, before he started digging again. <laughs> They couldn't believe the boys were in that snowbank because they had passed it so many times. Officer Kurt Hain had heard over the radio that they had found the boys, and when he pulled up, he saw the snow mound that he had pulled Tank away from, and he said that he wanted to throw up. Oh my god. They had been there, they had been in there for hours, and he was so worried that they weren't going to have a positive outcome. Other officers had run to go get more shovels because they only had the one that Sergeant Rolla had been using and everyone else was clawing at the snow with their hands, but that wasn't going to cut it. This snow was thick and dense, so officers ran into the street and stopped plows in their tracks to ask for help. The boys thought they were going to be immediately taken out of the snow, but it wasn't happening like that. Things were kind of dicey because they were digging straight in at Pepito, but they weren't sure where JJ was, and if they broke through the mound, it could potentially collapse again. Pepito was trying to call out to the officers that were digging because they had been crushing JJ. Finally, they had broken through and had Pepito's face, but he told them that they were throwing all of the snow onto JJ and they were going to crush him. 
because there were literally cops on top of the pile digging down, which was very bad. So immediately they got the cops to get off of the snow mound because they're, they're standing on top of it. Why would you stand on top of it? I don't know. I mean, I'm sure it wasn't a very calm moment. No, it definitely wasn't. You know, I mean, you're just frantically trying to get them out. Yeah, no, I, I know. But I'm just like, you stand on top? Yeah, I know. The worst the place. The kids are in it. <laughs> Finally, they did get Pepito out and Ruben asked if he could walk, but he told his dad no and he couldn't feel his body. So he carried him to the ambulance. Meanwhile, JJ was still in the snow mound like, hey, they forgot me. Like, oh, God. (laughs) Guys, me too. Yeah. So he kept screaming. But after a few minutes, he felt the snow getting lighter on top of him until they finally broke through to JJ as well. Ali went to grab him out of the snow, but the paramedics stopped her because they didn't know if he had been injured and they didn't want her to, like, move him too abruptly, you know? Right. Finally, they pulled him out, and he was okay, just very shaken up and freezing. They had been in the snow from 6.30 until they were pulled out at 2 a.m. Oh my god. Yeah. Even the officers at the scene were crying. Officer Mann said thank goodness for Sergeant Rolla, because had he not suggested they go back to the snow mound, the boys may not have made it. Because that many hours in that kind of temperature and situation, they probably didn't have very long to really survive at that point. Yeah, I was also thinking, like, if they're enclosed in for the most part, they probably were running out of oxygen, too. Well, they had a hole at the very top, so they still had air, but... But how big? Small. But, I mean, there was still air coming in. It wasn't completely sealed. But they were freezing, literally. I mean, they were very weak when they were pulled out. I don't know. I was about to say, I thought that snow was like a pretty decent insulator. So like, even if it was like cold outside, I thought if they had like snow gear on, that they would be like decently warm for a while. No. I don't know. Guess not. Yeah. Here's me. Not knowing. Not knowing again. You guys (laughs) familiar with this? Doing a little wagging over here. Both boys were brought to the hospital in an ambulance with their mothers. After getting warmed up, they were in the hospital for a short time to make sure that the boys were completely okay, but they ended up with no frostbite and nothing visually wrong with them. They were totally fine. After getting warmed up, they were in the hospital for a short time to make sure that they were completely okay. They had no frostbite and there was nothing visually wrong with them, but they just wanted to make sure, but... Ultimately, they were totally fine. They had to deal with some nightmares after that, but they did get better with time. Although, the boys didn't really like the snow too much after that, and they definitely didn't make any more snow forts. So, yeah. Yeah. The boys were incredibly thankful to Sergeant Rolla because they were still alive because of him. They don't blame the snowplow driver because there was no way he could have known they were in there, and he was just doing his job. It was just the wrong place at the wrong time. So yeah, I know. No it was hard feelings. The ultimate wrong place at the wrong time. Yeah, Deirdre also said that even if she had found their shovel, she wouldn't have thought to dig since kids leave their shovels out all the time. So they think that Sergeant Rolla is amazing for having thought that and acting so quickly. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. It totally, it was would have, it wouldn't have been either of our first thoughts. No. 
Definitely. But he just I knew. Mean, yeah, he just, he saw it and then immediately was like, oh, no. And then started digging and found a foot. Shout out hey, Sergeant Rowland. I mean, Rolo. when he's right, he's right. When you they're know? right, they're right. I mean, all right. Come on now. Since that night, Officer Hayne changed his training technique because he wasn't going to risk missing something like that again. So it also kind of brought about some positive change, which is good. And that Thanksgiving, they were all so incredibly thankful they could be together and they had their two boys alive. Right. I was like, yeah, a new meaning for Thanksgiving. Seriously, new meaning to grateful. But yeah, that is the story of Pepito and JJ and their terrible, no good, very bad day. Yeah, very, very bad day. I mean, just everything added up and like just happened in the wrong way but just right enough uh-huh. and the snowplow driver and then officer haynes i can't imagine how he felt yeah like and you know it's just something that you know you miss it happens yeah. like you know your dog could have been excited right he but... said that happened he's like oh he gets excited when he sees the cop cars so i was just gonna pull him further along yeah i know makes it's sense just when you're in that situation any mistake you make can be fatal yeah it's so just... true something that not everyone deals with really ever yeah but anyway what's your good thing my good thing get this yeah my good thing is the shredded chicken tacos that we just consumed really because let me tell you the ingredients oh god flour tortilla cilantro onion shredded chicken lime Uh uh-huh sriracha yes it was amazing. I'm so glad. I actually thought about this recipe for about two weeks uh-huh. while I was in Michigan, and I knew I couldn't make it. Um, and I don't know why, you totally but it was so have. good. <laughs> well, we didn't have the ingredients yeah. when we were up no, north. I, know. And, well, I didn't want to like... Sure, sure, sure. You know, but they were really good, and that's I'm my glad. good thing. I'm glad. My good thing is that we had another fantastic week up in the northern part of michigan with our college friends and it was very fun amen those might refer to it as up north up from north, michigan if you will in the pointer yeah. finger if you in know if you know finger. you know and you do know and a lot of corn a lot of corn a lot of corn middle of nowhere but a beautiful lake you know i know it was great it was a great <laughs> time we also had a very strange experience at a diner Oh, yeah, very weird, but we don't have to get into... It was... We, we call them out. <laughs> it was almost as if we walked into someone's home and they hadn't seen guests in years. Like, yeah. it was very, very strange. I almost had, like, a second thought, like, oh, it might be haunted. Like, is this haunted? Like, <laughs> are we was, being served by ghosts It was giving right very now? weird vibes. But anyway, the trip as a whole was very wholesome, very, very good friends, good company, good energy good vibes the vibes the vibes were immaculate. And the lake the lake was immaculate oh and the sunset come <laughs> on now so true anyways thank you guys so much for listening if you would like to look at all the pictures we post of all the stories we talk about check us out on instagram at not today underscore podcast if you would like bonus content ad free 
a sense of community. Oh my god, check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash nottodaypodcast. And did I mention an extra episode every month? I said bonus content, baby. Oh, you didn't? Okay, did. my bad. If you or anyone you know has a story that you would like to share with us, send it to nottodaypodcast at gmail.com. We have a TikTok that is not today podcast and a Twitter that is not today podcast, but the T on the end of podcast is a three. Because that makes sense. Because it makes sense. And just keep breathing. Yeah. Yeah.